0: Welcome to CAE Pilot Podcast, a podcast that brings together aviation professionals to discuss life as a pilot, training and career advice. You can find us at cae.com forward slash caepilot dash podcast, or subscribe to our show on your audio podcasting platform of choice. You can also find our video podcast on our YouTube channel. Hi there. Welcome to this edition of the CAE Pilot Podcast. My name is Patrick Botter and I'm thrilled to have you with us today for what I think is going to be a super interesting podcast on uh, recruitment in the aviation industry and specifically for pilots. Um, right now we're in a, in a situation where coronavirus has had a huge impact on um, the operations of airlines, probably the biggest impact we've ever seen. But what's important to remember is that the airline industry has seen events, maybe not to the same scale, but events like this. Notably, I can think of 2001, 9 11, and of course, 2008 during the economic downturn. That said, despite these downturns, overall, the airline industry has grown and, um, and we believe will continue to do so. But where does that leave pilots who are just coming out of training? who might've started their training when there was a huge need for pilots and all of a sudden we find ourselves in a surplus situation. So these pilots are now sitting here contemplating, what do I do next? So what we thought would be cool is that we would um, have uh, Captain Megan come on and tell us a little bit of her story about how she got out of training, And how she went about finding her job now as a captain on uh, the Boeing 737 for a great airline. And um, welcome to the podcast, Megan.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: We always start on the pilot podcast asking about your passion for aviation. Where did you get your passion for aviation and how did you get to the point where you said to yourself, I am going to be a pilot?
1: My story is a bit different than anyone else. You know, most people, you know, they always, they always knew they wanted to become pilots. That was not my case. So both my parents uh, were working for a uh, national uh, airline and um, so I, always, I grew up in aviation. So my parents had uh, cabin crew friends, pilots friends, people who were working uh, for operations. So I grew up in that environment, but I never really realized that I could do that for the rest of my life. So what I did when I was 18, I graduated, graduated high school, then I went to uni, studied political sciences, and then one day I woke up and I said, hmm, that's not exactly what I want to do for the rest of my life, you know. Um, so then I started thinking, and all of a sudden I thought about becoming a pilot, went to the open house of the city, Brussels back then. Then I said, listen, what do I have to do now to become a pilot? Um, I have to learn English. So I traveled for over a year to learn English. Uh, then studied a little bit, um, mostly math and physics, so I could pass a selection test. Uh, and this is what I, that's what I did. Started in 2008 and graduated in 2010.
0: From, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but from Airline brat." To, um, <laughs> <Sure. do. Anything. laughs> um, no, but I, I think that it's, um, I say it jokingly and, you know, but it's, you certainly had aviation in your life. Sure. And I think that's true of a lot of people. When you catch that, uh, that bug and you see others doing, you're like, this seems like a pretty good life. Now you, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Now you say, so you mentioned that you had trained at CAE. How did your flight training unfold? Where did you train? What was that experience like?
1: It was great, actually. It was 18 months, probably 18 months. So, like, the best of my life, I would say. So, that was 10 years ago, already. Uh, so, that was at C Brussels. But it, uh, we started with six months of, uh, no, that was eight months of um, theory. Then we passed our exams. And then that was followed by... Six months of uh, practical training in the US on uh, single and multi engine aircraft. And then we came back to Belgium for the MCC in the last part of the year, uh, multi engine aircraft as well. That was uh, 18 months in total. So that was really intense, <laughs> really fast. But yeah.
0: Until recently, as I mentioned in the beginning, you know, it was get out of, you know, finished training and pretty much could find a job relatively easily right out of, uh, right out of training. Is that was that your experience
1: no no not at all actually so halfway through the practical part when i was in uh in arizona um no one would get a job so we were there in the middle of our practical training almost going home and knowing that it was going to be it was going to be tough to get a job it was going to be hard um so that was that was like that was basically the last crisis and well you know First thing people told us and other pilots uh, who had a job, they told us, listen, this is aviation, it's a cycle, it, you know, uh, crisis come and go. And then you don't really believe it, you know, you don't really think it's true. Uh, but now it's been 10 years and I can actually say it was true because this is already the second one I've seen in my short career, you know.
0: So you, you leave training and what was job hunting like for you?
1: It was the uh, first thing I did was, you know, I went on the Internet, uh, find out about every possible airline I could, I could see. I could find uh, in the world and send CVs, motivation letters, summaries, anything, you know. Uh, if I had a number, I was calling like as much as I could just to see if they had received all my documents and all of that. So that was sending a lot of CVs, uh, making sure I updated my hours uh, as well. Um, and my and just my CV with the with the new jobs I was uh, I was doing in the meantime.
0: And how long did it take you before you got uh, your first airline job?
1: A little over two years.
0: So, finish training. You've just invested all of this into your training. Get yeah. out. Two years. What did you do during those two years? What was it? What was it like? Was it? Uh, you know, It must have been complicated or difficult mentally to say, oh my God, I've done all this training now, I can't find this job. But how did you, how did you sort of overcome that and what did you do in the meantime?
1: I, I, had a, I had a bank loan, like a lot of students, so I had to work. There was, there was no question, I had to do something. But what I wanted was to do something, re, uh, do something that was related to aviation. Uh, so I got lucky, I called uh, CAE Brussels and I asked if they had a job for me. And actually they had in student administration so that's the first thing I did uh, get a job as soon as I could to start reimbursing my loan um, and then once that was done, second thing was uh making sure that I kept my skills you know my theoretical knowledge as well as my skills my flying skills uh current because you know when an airline calls you, they usually call you to come the next day for the interview, so you kind of have to be ready at all times you know uh so that was that was two two years of Uh, working for CE and then studying on the side, you know, and uh, keeping on flying, renting FNPT2s or sims, asking to jump seat on uh, sim sessions, you know, anything that could get me closer to a cockpit, basically.
0: And do you, so, I mean, the value of staying within the industry and in your case, specifically going in to uh, a a training company was super helpful, I would imagine, in keeping current and keeping your skills up.
1: Sure. Yeah, actually, that was very helpful because I always had like um, pilots around me. So anytime I had a question or even instructors, instructors, I had a lot of instructors around me. So while I was studying, you know, you, had, you always have questions coming up, things you forgot or you didn't really understand. So I could ask all those questions uh, at all times. I I was uh, next to pilots who were, you know, doing their, uh, their checks as well. Uh, so if they, had, uh, if they knew that they company where we was going to hire someone, then, then they would obviously tell me, so that was easy as well.
0: So what specific jobs did you do at CA?
1: So I was, uh, I was a student admin uh, for a little over a year, so I was doing administration as well as um, scheduling, so I was scheduling the theoretical uh, course for the, for the cadets. And then after a year and a half, actually, I went on to uh, work with the simulator technicians. So that was, that, was, that was also very helpful.
0: Another thing that you just mentioned that I think is, is super important, because I've heard it from other pilots that we've interviewed as well, is you talked about the fact that other pilots would let you know that there were positions available at their airline. Um, what's the importance of building and maintaining a network in aviation?
1: The reason why it is so important to know people inside the airline is very often before the uh, vacancy is published on, on the website, they will know it. So if they hear, listen, in a few months, we're going to have to hire cadets. And they tell you, then, you know, you have a few months to get ready, you know renting a sim for example or uh keeping on studying or you know it's also important because uh if you want to if you want to get ready for an interview you kind of want to know what they're going to ask and it's not always the same thing and every airline is very specific about certain things whether it's aerodynamics or performance or meteorology or you know every airline has has his own 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 thing so that's also a great way to um Uh, to know what to study in depth and what you can leave on the side, because it's a lot of material. There's a lot to study. And obviously, if you only have a few days or a few weeks, you cannot go over the whole, you know, 14 topics of the ATPL. You have to to know specifically what's going to be asked, you know.
0: So your network not only helps you find the positions, but also really does help you uh, prepare for an interview. And, 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 and I think that's like any kind of uh, a position that you're looking for right now, right? As soon as you're looking sure. at your job hunting, you go on LinkedIn, who do I know at that company? You get in touch with them, ask them what it's like and all this thing. So I think that in that respect, while aviation is obviously a specific industry, it's, uh, mm-hmm. it's nice to hear that just the general job hunting rules sort of still do apply as well. Yep. Um, on a recent podcast, we interviewed, um, we pilot Susie. And, uh, you know, she graduated after 9-11. I don't know. Do you know her? Mm. Did yes, you? I do. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Jeez. We recently spoke to Susie, the pilot, who I understand you know. And, you know, after 9-11, she had to wait patiently for, for a job to come up. And um, we also spoke to uh, Leonard, who was a, uh, a uh, private jet pilot. And he had said that he, uh, you know, he ended up going to uh, clean aircraft and uh, at an FBO and that's how he ended up um working for working as a pilot. Um, you know, what would you recommend to people um who are maybe leaving training now and uh going, you know, sort of looking for their role? Would you say stay in the aviation industry?
1: Definitely, definitely. That's that's I think one of the best ways uh to stay current on your and uh, theoretical knowledge is being surrounded by people that are in the industry. Um, that means also you will be able to build your network, and uh, if ever you have a question or you're, you, you you find something unclear, you can always you know uh, reach out to your network, ask the questions uh, uh, that you that you want. Also, if they hear, and once again, if they hear there's a there's a job opportunity, they might let you know. Uh, in advance and, uh, and might buy you some time, you know, to yeah. study and uh, get current.
0: So network, network, network. My next question too, so you went sort of the route of going to work sort of in perhaps a bit more of an administrative role at CAE. Um, you know, certainly you've had uh, colleagues who went on to do other things. What other kind of roles or positions can people have within the aviation industry to keep themselves current and to stay within the industry?
1: Actually, a lot of my first officers went on to being a flight dispatcher. A few of them worked at the uh, operations of the airport I fly, uh, I fly from. And uh, a lot of people decide as well to become instructors um, while waiting for another job. Uh, these are some of the, the ones uh, that come up yeah, the most, most often, actually.
0: And and I think there's, uh, having been around airports and airlines and all that, there are so many jobs that put you into the environment that uh, I think you just have to, you know, look around and the FBOs, et cetera. And there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of possibilities there. You mentioned um, earlier on that, you know, your interview comes out of the blue. You know, it's from one day to the next. Tell us a little bit about how, you ended up, you know, getting the call and going into the interview, and maybe a little bit of your personal story as to how that all played out.
1: So actually, yeah. So I was—I've been waiting a little over, little over two years, and then uh, one day, out of the blue, William who was responsible for placement of uh, cadets at the time at Sea Brussels. He calls me and he says, "Listen, this airline uh, is recruiting, and you can go to the interview," <laughs> and then you know, part of you is really happy because it finally happened and you've been preparing for this for two years. And then, of course, what you want is, you know, it's been two years, no interviews. All of a sudden, I have one. I have i have to pass this one. Now I can say that it's not true. All right. So I, I was lucky I passed. Uh, but it would have been something else coming, maybe like a week after, a month after or two, you know. But the problem is that when, if it's been a long time, and you haven't had an interview, once they call you, you feel like it. if you don't make this one, it's never going to happen. <laughs> but it is not true. So yeah, but it's, 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 I was very anxious, I can say.
0: And so what did you do to get over the, uh, the nervousness? Like I would say you have to go into an interview and just be yourself. Obviously, when you go into an interview to, uh, as a pilot, there's a, probably a, a huge depth of knowledge that you have to bring with you and you know, stuff you have to know and revise, etc. So how did you get over the nervousness of that first interview?
1: It's exactly what you say. So one of the tools you have um, to lower the pressure is knowledge and being prepared. If you're prepared, you know your, you know your, you know, you know your stuff, basically. It's going to lower the pressure automatically. You know, I'm not saying you're gonna go with your hands in your pockets and be like, it's gonna be fine. That's not what I'm saying, but it's going to uh, lower the pressure tremendously. So if the time you have now, uh, you spend it uh, studying and making sure that if they call you today, you're ready to go tomorrow or the next day for the interview, then you should be fine, at least for, on the, for the theoretical part, you know. For the you know, manual skills, that's, the story. Is, is, is very similar. There are options that are not as expensive as renting a full flight simulator. Full, uh, full flight simulator, you know. So you can you can rent an FNPT two, for example, or a smaller aircraft, or you know, go fly with friends and share the costs, for example. And all these things are going to make sure that you're you're still on track with your manual skills as well.
0: It sounds like there's a certain amount of uh... I don't want to say inventiveness, but certainly resourcefulness. You have to look at what resources you have out there. And I find it interesting that you mentioned everything from, you know, renting a sim to talking to pilots in order to prepare yourself. You know, so there is a full range of things that people can do even right now. Now, the positive side of all of this is that, you know, and maybe to provide a bit of motivation to uh, graduates is that, after two-year wait, you finally got the job. What, was, what went through your mind when you knew that you had it?
1: It's funny. I, I think I cried. I'm not sure. But I think I cried. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's been, it's two years. And th- during those two years, you have to keep believing it's going to happen. Otherwise, you're just going to y- – you just give up, honestly. Um, so you have to believe it's going – but you have to – at some point, you know, you – you're talking to yourself, thinking, "Yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to take time, but it is going to happen." But at some point, you don't really believe it anymore. So once, once they call you and they tell you, "Listen, that's it," it feels, it feels um, surreal. Basically, you know, you're finally gonna get into a flight deck. Like it feels, uh, it feels. Yeah, it it felt it certainly felt surreal for me.
0: And what did you do when you got into? Because for sure, it happens to everybody. I think even during COVID those of us who are working from home and all that, no matter what you've been doing, you've had these moments of, hey, this is great to work from home, and, or, and then you get to like, oh my God, I need to see people. And you go through these moments of you know, ups and downs. During those two years, you must have had some downs. How did you pull yourself out of them?
1: I was, I was actually lucky because my partner has been flying for now um, close to 20 years. Uh, so he was always the one telling me, uh, listen, Megan, I graduated. He graduated uh, after nine eleven, so he's been without a flying job for four and a half years. So he told me, Megan, you have to keep believing it because it will happen. I know it will happen because, you know, as I told you, uh, aviation is a cycle; it goes up and down and up and down. Uh, and he was he was my greatest motivator, if I can say that. Um, and then you know, all the my ex instructors as well who kept telling me, listen, but it's going to happen, you know. It is going to happen. It's just a matter of when
0: so you're you're saying it's the 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 power of positive thinking
1: yeah, definitely, that's for sure. you cannot you cannot give up. you just if I believe that if you decided to do this uh, training and spend so much money, somehow it's probably because you like it, you know uh, right. and um and you, you you just cannot cannot give up uh, once you're you know.
0: Have you been flying throughout uh, COVID? Like, you must have taken a break, I guess, at some point. But
1: uh, what's yeah, what's it been so, like? Um, I haven't flown for four months. So I started again in July, beginning of July. I had to go through three SIM sessions, three SIM sessions of four hours and three days, and a lot of um, uh, CBTs before going back to work, uh, a lot of uh, studying as well because, you know, it's a job that is very automatic so if, if you stop doing it you obviously forget forget a lot of things you know while if you do it every day then you know it's not really an issue this time it was four months without doing anything um and after the same sessions and all the studying i went back it was it was a little strange at first you know the mask and the new procedures and uh and the a lot less people in the aircraft and everybody was a bit of you know anxious and all of that Uh, but i have to say now i started again i mean it's been three months and it's much better it feels like the new normal you know even the mask is just it's just normal it's the new normal
0: and i know a lot of pilots and cabin crew for that matter have talked about um, empty airports being super weird and pilots have talked about empty skies you know used to a lot more traffic and even if you look at like a aware as an example, the number of flights is so reduced. What's that like?
1: It's, uh, it's a bit of a mixed feeling because in one hand, yeah. uh, we have a lot of direct routing because there are a lot less aircraft. Uh, so the trips are a little shorter. Uh, but it's obviously not a good sign not to have uh, that many aircraft in the sky. So yeah, it makes our life a little easy, but uh, it's not a good sign. So we're just hoping we're going to get uh, all the aircrafts back in the
0: sky. And what about passengers? You know, everybody's saying, everybody I speak to, you know, if you could go one place right now, where would it go? You know, because right now the most exciting place I go to is the grocery store, right? So I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'd love to go to Bora Bora or wherever. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, I don't know that I want to get on an airplane to go there. So what, what do you see from passengers as they're getting on airplanes sort of? I'll say for the first time, you know, many are going to have just been going back to flying now. What's, what's your impression of how passengers are taking it?
1: I'm, I'm very surprised, actually. I, you don't see a lot of anxiety in passengers. Uh, I think everybody's now used to the mask, washing your hands as much as possible, you know, uh, using the gel to, uh, to wash your hands as well. Um, it doesn't feel very, you know, as I said, it, it feels very normal now. And people don't seem to be very anxious. Anymore, maybe a little more in the beginning. Right
0: now, it feels, you know, business as usual, I would say. Yeah, it sounds uh, from what you're saying and from what I've heard that, you know, it's the apprehension of doing it. Like you're kind of like, oh my God, it's this thing. But then once you do it, you realize that we've gotten used to, as you say, going shopping with a mask, going out with a mask. And this is just flying with a mask, right? So it's uh,
1: definitely,
0: it changes. Obviously, there's a lot more to it than that. But if we simplify it, Um, yeah. Let's come back to your career because you've just recently, from what I understand, uh, hit a milestone and you've gone from uh, first officer to captain. So congratulations on that. Thank and, you. Uh, tell us what it's like to move from the right seat to the left seat.
1: It's, um, it's very interesting. It's a great challenge. I'm, I'm really happy I did it. It's uh, funny enough, it's, it's a very different job. So people might think that it's still the same, but you just change your seats. The funny thing is, you know, when you're a first officer and you don't know what to do, you look left and you have your captain. Problem is that when you're a captain and you don't know what to do, you look left. There is your reflection in the window, obviously. <laughs> so in the beginning, it's a bit, uh, it's, 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 quite, uh, it's quite interesting. It takes a while before you get used to it, uh, but it comes quicker than I thought. And uh, no, it's, it's great. I'm really, really happy I did it.
0: So, funny question, maybe, but you've probably found yourselves looking yourself looking at the reflection a couple of times. Um, what do you do uh, when like you get off a flight and you're like, oh, I wasn't sure how, what I should do there? How do you prepare for the next one? How do you prepare to see less of your reflection?
1: Actually, I have my little, you know, um, how would you say that? Uh, tradition is after every day when I drive back home, I review everything that happened uh, uh, in my mind uh, during the day and I think about what I could have done better where I did good and uh, what I can prefer next time and that's uh, um, I know a lot of pilots do that uh, but that's, that's just a way um, of getting you know always getting better actually
0: and I was we were talking just before we started the podcast uh, that when I was a flight attendant there were very few women pilots never mind women um, women captains do you feel a little bit like a trailblazer as uh, as a woman captain?
1: Honestly, not not really. <laughs> <laughs> not really. I you know I don't feel I don't feel different. Um, everybody doesn't have the same exp- like every female pilot doesn't have they don't have the same experience as me. But I've never felt different. No one ever made me feel different. So I must say, not really. The only time I do have a bit of a um, weird feeling is when passengers look through the flight deck door and say, oh, it's a woman! And then you don't really know whether they're, whether they're scared or impressed or happy or, you know. But, uh, no. I don't really feel like I'm doing anything for the community, to be honest.
0: Which, to me, is super positive, right? Because if, you're, if it is normal for you to be in the flight deck and for you to feel normal doing it and not different, to me, that's a huge sign that massive progress is being made, if not in terms of the numbers of women who are becoming pilots, certainly in um, the attitude uh, towards uh, female pilots.
1: Yeah, it is It is. Uh, it is probably changing, although I'm telling you, I've never, I've never felt different in the flight. Like, I know it has been in the past. I think it has been difficult for women uh, in the beginning, probably in the 70, late 70s, beginning of the 80s. You know, getting you on a flight deck and having your calling looking at you like you should be in the kitchen rather than in a flight deck must have been extremely difficult. They had a lot to prove. And I'm glad, I'm really happy and thankful they did it. Um, and thanks to that, I don't have anything to prove anymore. And, um, and yeah.
0: And I think. I think that's a super, super positive message for, for everyone. Um, so aviation obviously is, uh, is just a succession of different challenges, you know, waiting for your job, you know, getting through the interview, passing the type rating, you know, recurrent training, sim checks, and of course you've just talked about uh, becoming a captain. What would you say are the key, uh, the key qualities someone has to have to make a success of a career in aviation?
1: I think resilience is probably one of them. Um, motivation, because without that one, you don't, you don't go anywhere. Uh, this job is a lot of work, uh, and if you don't want to do it, then it's going to be really, really, really hard. Um, mostly, I think one of, one of the things uh, you will have to do for the rest of your career is, uh, is study, making sure that you know, you know your procedures, you know your aircraft systems, uh, you're prepared for the flight, you're prepared for the weather that's coming, you're prepared for the terrain that uh, is at your destination, that you know your destination airport. So being prepared is one of the things, you know, um, that you will have to do through. to get a job now. And even after uh, for the rest of your career, you know, you come to work and you don't want, you will have surprises, that's for sure. You always have surprises, but you don't want to have too many. So preparation is a big, big part of the job, I would say.
0: And uh, finally, what words of encouragement would you have for pilots who maybe? you know, waiting for their next job to come along or cadets or just about to finish their, their training, what would you say to them as they sort of come onto the, you know, they're, they're on this kind of challenging job market?
1: What I would say is never give up because it is actually worth it. It might not come next week, next month or six months, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe a little more than that. I hope not, but never give up because once you're doing it it's really i mean it was it's, it's really worth it
0: listen um for me personally it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you i think you um you know you've said a number of inspiring things i think during the course of uh, our discussion that uh, people will really enjoy and it's an excellent real life example i think of of coming out um you know, we, you, you mentioned coming out of your training in 2008, I guess, during the, uh, during the recession, and you had to wait to get your first job. But here you are. You know, not only do you have a job, you're now captain. And uh, I just think it's, uh, it's absolutely wonderful. Thanks so much, Megan, for uh, joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. It was great. Thanks, Thanks a lot.
0: And just as a, a final uh, note here, I'd like to just let everybody know that uh, One, you know, after uh, training at CAE, there is an aftercare program and that's all about trying to uh, help graduates uh, find jobs um, in their field. And of course, uh, we've just launched airside.arrow, and that of course is, uh, you know, Megan's talked about it, you know, the the importance of having a network and having resources. Well, on airside, uh, we've brought together a bunch of resources. Um, and we're building a community to help uh, pilots out there, not only get uh, back into the sky, but uh, to help them throughout their careers. So check it out, airside.arrow. There's lots of great stuff there. Megan, thanks again, appreciate
1: it. Thank you.
0: CAE Pilot Podcast is brought to you by CAE, the global leader in training for the civil aviation, defense and security, and healthcare markets. For more information, check out
1: CAE.com.